0: Gracious God, we pray that you would receive these gifts and offerings. May they go into the service of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I am glad that y'all are all here. I'm Rick Ivy. I'm the senior pastor. And we are continuing on in a sermon series about being made for more. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that we are a people who are created in God's image. That uh, we were made in His image, and His likeness and that this life and God's work in our hearts is to help us to recover that and to restore that and to live into it. And last week we talked about the end of the book of Exodus and we shared and talked about how if it was a movie right before the credits began to roll, we have this beautiful image of God's people being close to God, they're in worship, Uh, They are in a place where they can easily access God, where they have come to know God in a mighty and a powerful way. And that's the end of the story of Exodus. The beginning of it is that they were a people who started out as slaves. Uh, They had found themselves in a very comfortable position of being under the influence and the power of the Egyptians, who were the most powerful people at the time. And God begins to work on their hearts. He sends them Moses, helps them to be a people who are freed. And um, when we get to the part of the scripture that we're about to cover today, it is about three months after uh, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, have been delivered from Egypt. And they have journeyed. They've seen God do miracles. They've seen God do great things. And to the part that we get to right now, Uh, God begins to talk with them in a very mighty and powerful way and begins to reveal God's self to his people and to tell them about what it's going to look like from then on. Now, why this matters so mightily and why it's so important is that um, it begins to spell out, it's the Ten Commandments, it begins to spell out for them what life with God and life with other people is going to look like. And he begins to talk with them about how are they going to journey together from that point on. Now this past week, one of the things that I was reminded of uh, was the, the day of 9-11. And I don't know what your memories of, are of that. Uh, some of y'all were not alive during that time, but if you remember, uh, one of the most powerful things that I took away from that event was the night where the President, George Bush, uh, got onto the TV and he shared with the people about what had happened. And one of the more memorable moments was that he began to quote scripture. And he said, even though I go through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do you remember that? He quoted the 23rd Psalm, and I've always thought that was one of the most powerful moments that I can remember, because in the midst of disaster, in the midst of our country reeling and not knowing what exactly to do, he lifted up God's word, and he said, you know, even though we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, because thou art with me. And when I think about that psalm, that 23rd psalm, it always reminds me that we are a people who are journeying together, that we're traveling together. And that in the 23rd psalm, it says sometimes we're at places of green pastures where we're at still waters, and then there's other times where we go through valleys of the shadow of death. And the difference that I have seen in my life is who people are journeying with how things go for them in that valley or how things go for them in the green pastures is is very much about who are they journeying with. Now, we all know this, uh, especially those of us who are parents. We all want our our kids to hang out with the right group or to be associated with that. Uh, But as adults, we sometimes lose sight of that. We don't always pay careful attention to who it is that we spend time with or who we are journeying with. Sometimes we just outright neglect those friendships and that fellowship that we, we need in our lives. And sometimes it's not even uh, very easy for us to do so. So I want to take a moment and look at the scripture that we have in front of us. Exodus 20, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to follow along. And we're going to read a little bit about halfway into it and then stop and talk about something and then uh, finish it out. So it says, "Then Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol of, for yourself, no form whatsoever, of anything in the sky, above, or on the earth, below, or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord your God, am a passionate God. And let's just stop there for a moment. It says, I am a passionate God. If you've got a different translation, it might be that God says, I'm a jealous God. Some of y'all got that translation probably. And um, if you really want to upset people these days, you mention the fact that God is a jealous God. I have no idea why that is such a controversial doctrine of God or truth of God, uh, but maybe it's just a matter of confusion, because usually when people hear jealous God, they think oh, well, God's, God's just kind of like a small child. He's petty. right?" Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, we're not talking about jealousy in regards to how we usually use it, like I'm jealous they have a better car than me, or I'm jealous that uh, they can eat ice cream 24-7 and never get fat. You know, that's not the kind of jealousy we're talking about. The closest analogy that I can give you is that he's talking about a kind of jealousy that is best reflected when it comes to our deepest relationships, Uh, like in marriage, that rather than just being a, a case where we love somebody, uh, and we say to them, whatever you want to do is fine with me. Uh, it's more a matter of them saying to, or, or them saying to us, and we saying to them that that we love them so much that we're not going to let them fall away from that marriage. That we're not going to let their hearts and their minds wander astray and not uh, make mention of it. And that's the kind of jealousy that God is speaking of right here. What He's saying to this people, He's saying is that I I love you so greatly, I care about you so greatly. And there are going to be many things along our journey together that are going to distract you, that are going to be idols, as he says. And it is not acceptable to me that you fall in love with those things, those things of this world. He says, I I love you so dearly, I care about you so much that I am not going to let your heart wander and go astray and fall into temptation. I, I love you and care for you so much that I'm not going to let your heart wander and go and worship other gods. You matter so much to me. You are so precious to me that I am passionate for you. I love you. I am willing to be jealous of your heart. It matters that much to me. And that's completely different than what most people think of when we talk about God. Most of the time when people talk about God, they think of a God that's just kind of out there thinking of them in very kind ways. And the only time that y'all need to interact is when you need something, right? And C.S. Lewis nailed it when he said, most of us don't want, most of us don't want a real father in heaven. Most of us long for and hope for God to be more like a grandparent. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying most of us, I'm not throwing grandparents under the bus, don't worry, all right. Most of us don't want God to be like a parent that's there 24/7, leading and guiding our lives, directing us, telling us where we're falling short, saying to us, if you don't quit that, you're going to have problems, right? Most of us don't want that kind of relationship with God. Most of us, like C.S. Lewis pointed out, he said we'd really like for God to be more like a grandparent and not to throw them under the bus, but the stereotypical grandparent what will give the kid whatever they want because they desire so much to be liked, right? I know that's not the case for y'all. Y'all are excellent grandparents if that's the case for you. But you know what I'm saying, that they're saying that, for example, if the parent has a rule of no ice cream for dinner, the grandparent says, well, we're in my house. You eat whatever you want. And you go spend a weekend with grandma and grandparents, and they give their kids whatever they want. I don't know for y'all parents, but it usually took us about a week to get the kids back into normal way of doing things. Like, please stop taking sugar to bed. You know, those kinds of things. And that when we think about God, when we talk about God, and most of us, you know, really kind of think about God as a really great grandparent that cares for us and, and gives us whatever we want. And when we get to the Ten Commandments, we hear God saying, no, I, I want to live close to you. I, I want to be in your life each and every moment. I, I want you to know me in powerful and mighty ways. And in order for that to happen, then, then here are some things that I desire for you. And so that sets up the Ten Commandments in a way that is far different than how we usually we hear it right. I mean, do you usually think about the commandments as this is a way that I can grow closer to God, or do you hear them as this is a way that I'm gonna get frustrated and angry and disappointed about my life? Because that's exactly what God does in this this powerful moment in Exodus. He comes to the people of Israel and he says, The way you are is gonna keep you a slave forever. Did you hear that? The the way you are is going to keep you a slave forever. But but if you will just listen, if you will come closer to me, if you'll begin to live in my household of faith, then, then you'll be free. You'll be free to live the life that I want for you, free to worship in a way that is powerful and great, and free to love me with your whole heart and to love your neighbors as yourself. So when God says, I'm jealous for you, that it's because he desires so much for us. He loves us so dearly. He says, I'm passionate for you. And when you wander and go astray, there's going to be consequences. It's going to provoke my jealousy. So let's look at what exactly he is that he calls them to. He says in Exodus 20, Do not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord your God, am passionate. I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it. Not you, your sons, your daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or your immigrant who is living with you because the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them in the six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that your life will be long and fertile in the land that the Lord has given you. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Just to pause real quickly there, um, I've had the privilege of leading uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts through a program called God and Me. And one of the assignments that I always give them is to take the Ten Commandments and translate them into your own words. And when the, you can imagine the conversation that some Cub Scout had to have with his folks about how do you translate, don't commit adultery. And I love the, the, the phrase I got back from one of the kids. He says, mommy and daddy cannot have boyfriends or girlfriends. <laughs> I said, you nailed it. That was excellent. And He goes on, uh, do not steal. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Do not desire to try and to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire to try and to take your neighbor's wife, male or female, servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning, the sound of the horn and the mountain smoking, and people shook with fear and stood at distance, they said to Moses, You speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak to us or we'll die. So... When you think about those commandments in, in your life, uh, like I said, most of us, we really struggle with the idea that, that God wants to be that close to us. That God would get into the most intimate and close details of our life and want to see things change and be transformed. And many times people will say, well, you know, God just loves us. God just accepts us as we are. God just loves us, loves us, loves us. And does not really expect our lives to change or to be transformed or for, for us to have any kind of challenge from God or to be uh, anything like that. And it's true. God loves us so dearly. God cares for us so dearly. But I just want you to, to picture for just a moment. You get married to somebody and you tell them that you love them and that you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. And then you suddenly find out that their way of doing things is far different than how you do things. Can you imagine that for just a moment? It usually happens around two years into a marriage. That's where they come into my office and say, we don't think this is working out. And they begin to give me the details of how things are going. They come in and they say, can you believe, can you believe this? My spouse believes that the toilet paper should be place in a way that the paper goes over the roll. In my family, we go under, right? Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? My, parent, my spouse believes that we should wrap, unwrap Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. My family, we are Christmas morning faithful people. That is when gifts should be opened, right? Uh, all down the line, and what is God pointing out? He's saying, we're going to live together. We're going to be close. We're going to have a life together. And, and I need you to do these things so that you can be free. Not because they benefit me, but because they, they help you. They'll gift you. They'll be a blessing to you. One of the more amazing commandments that I've seen people struggle with, and I say, how is that even possible, is the Sabbath. I mean, how hard is it to get people to take a day off? and not do ordinary work. But you'll be amazed at how many times I've talked with people and they say, I just can't do it, you know? Sunday rolls around and I've got plans, I've got budgets that I've got to keep, I've got reports that I've got to do, and and it's just impossible. And I talked to one father and I said, could you just please just try it? Just give it a a try. Rather than working all Sunday afternoon, just, just take Sunday off and don't do ordinary work. And he came back within a month and he said, My life has changed amazingly just by doing that. I said, See how good God is that He invites you to Sabbath, to rest, to be at rest with God. And over and over again, you will find that to be the case. Um, And sometimes people ask the question of, Well, uh, it's in the Old Testament. Does it really apply to us? And I just invite you to to look at Jesus' words in the New Testament, Sermon on the Mount, that's canon. Don't argue with me, all right? Those are his words. They count. And what does he say? Do not think that I came to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. And as long as heaven and earth are around, not even a dot of the I or a crossing of the T is going to be erased because I have come to fulfill the law. And he says even those people that come and keep my commandments and those that teach those people to obey my commandments, they are going to be blessed in the kingdom of God. And what's the significance of it? Because he's saying, I'm going to help you fulfill the law. You and I, we struggle, we hurt, we long for, we sigh, we rebel, we disobey, we do all those things. But with Jesus Christ, with the cross between us and the law, all things become possible. That in him we have one that leads and guides us and says... Follow me. I will be your shepherd. I will take you to places you never imagined possible. If you will have faith in me, trust in me, hear my words, obey them, then you're going to fulfill everything that God has commanded us. Now, I hope and I pray that you'll give some thought to that. And the the other thing I want to mention to you today is that it's not easy. And what I want you to know is that the best gift that you can give yourself when it comes to growing in your faithfulness to God, being obedient to Him, the best gift you can give yourself is to have a group of people that help you do it. To have a group of people that do it with you. To live life together just as God wants you to have that. And to be completely honest, one of the most difficult things for me as a pastor to do is to be part of a small group or a Sunday school class. I know that doesn't sound like it'd be that challenging, but if you just imagine for a moment, every time that I go to a Sunday school class or a small group, two things that I can count on. One, I'm supposed to know everything there is to know about the Bible and God, right? And and trust me, it is a struggle sometimes to convince people that I do, right? And then, and then the other thing is that if I'm actually honest and authentic about my struggles in faith, it raises the anxiety in the room quite a bit, right? I remember one time I went to a small group Bible study with a group of guys, and uh, they were all sharing some of their struggles and their hurts, and, and uh, I'm reading their faces and watching them as they talk about, you know, their sins, their things, because it's an accountability group, and it got to my turn, and you could see all their faces like, oh gosh, please don't Rick let Rick have anything significant that he's struggling with, right? And, uh, and I shared, you know, what was going on in my life, and you could just see the relief in the room, and they're like, oh, thank goodness, you know, and y'all are wondering, what was it? I like to tear the tags off of mattresses. That is not your business, all right? Uh, you know, but, but that group made such a huge difference for me because there were other dads there. There were other husbands. There were other people that could relate to my life, that could share my faith, that could say, uh, Rick, I don't think you quite have that right. In other more blunt ways, they said that, right? And that they could, they could share that with me and journey through my life. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but almost every church that I've been to, there's at least one Sunday school room that is covered in pictures. Uh, every classroom, that, every church I've been to, there's at least one classroom that's covered in pictures. And if you look at them, they're usually in black and white. And there's hundreds of people in those, in those pictures. And that, the class will be named something, you know, like Holy Covenant class or something like that. And at one point, Holy Covenant class was well into the hundreds of members. And when you visit with that Sunday school class today, it's down to the twos or threes, right? And I love those pictures because I think and I tell myself, I said, these were a group of people that, that came together every week, and they prayed for each other. And they cried for each other, and they, they laughed with each other. They, they did life together. And they supported each other. They cared about each other. And they encouraged each other to be disciples of Jesus Christ to this broken world. And without that, they would never have been able to do it on their own. And I look at those pictures and I say, I-, I just desire that for each and every Christian. I-, I just believe that to be such an important thing. And so just as a quick question, do you have a group like that? If you don't, why don't you change that today? I mean, even if you're visiting with us today for the first time, we can help you find a group. Here, just as a quick example, if you go to a Sunday school class right after the service, would you do me a big favor and just raise your hand? All right. And if you don't, look around you, find one of those people, say, hey, they kind of look like me. I think I could fit into a group that they go to. Right. You can put your hand down. Thank you so much. And you can go right after the service and join them in Sunday school class. If you looked around today and you said, there's just no one like me, let me know. We'll help you start a group of other people that are more like you because you need that. And I just believe that to be the case. And um, our staff worked hard last couple of weeks to put together this booklet. You should have been emailed one and they're available right after the service. There's some out there in the hallway and it has all the groups that our church has. If you haven't taken a look at this booklet, you really should because when you begin to examine and say, this is what my church does, you'll, you'll be very, very proud because it is just amazing how many mission projects you'll have, how many groups that you have. And as we wrap up things today, I, I want to mention one of the groups that's, um, that's important. It's the Heart to Hands group. They're a knitting group. And you say, well, what could be so significant about that? Well, they are the ones, and, and there's another group that does this as well, but they, they knitted all these hats, And they've got, um, they've also put together some quilts as well. And these hats are going to go to homeless people. And these quilts are going to go to people who are sick and in the hospital. And it's just a a tangible way for us as a church to say, we care. You matter. And can you think about that knitting group? You know, they sit around, they share life. They talk about what's going on in their lives. And it supports them, encourages them. And they have an amazing project as well. And so, do you have a group? If you don't, I want you to find one. Even if you're not a member, even if you're new to the faith, even if you don't know much about the Bible, you need a group. So I want you to just take those next steps and and find your way to one of those. And uh, as we close today, I want us to take a moment to bless these hats and these quilts. So let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, We pray and ask in this time that um, you would bless these hats that are going to go to help those that are in need, uh, these quilts that are going to go to help those people who are sick or ill or in the hospital. We pray and ask that uh, the people that receive them would take them as a sign of your love, of your care, of your mercy. And gracious God, we lift up to you not only these things, but we lift up to you our hearts and our lives and all that we are, and we pray that you would bless them, speak the truth that we are better together, that we live life together in a way that honors you and brings glory to you, and help us as we go this day to remember that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to close today with song.